0: listening to the uloft podcast presented by united iup a community of college students and young adults in indiana pennsylvania who are dedicated to unite with each other and christ to change the world around us we hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world
1: Welcome to the Uloft Podcast. This is Michael Bond. I am here with Caleb Fugate, Julia Buggy, and Tanner Hoshide.
0: Two for Twice two. Twice in a
1: row. That's a two for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate
2: you.
1: <laughs> so. Uh, The reason why we're all laughing is because we did an intro to this podcast and Tanner said twofer, and then we thought, well, we can't, that's not acceptable. We can't have that in this podcast. (laughs) And here we are again. So here we are. Tanner doesn't learn. It's perfectly (laughs) acceptable. Yeah, so we're going to roll with it. Um, So I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, For those of you who are catching up, this is part two of the podcast that we did last week. We talked a lot about submitting to human authority versus submitting to God's authority and where, the, where we draw the line in that. And in this episode, we're going to kind of unpack the same sort of idea, the same thrust, same idea, and, and how, what's the proper Christian mode of being if we have if we're working under a leader that we know is ungodly, that sort of thing. So let's just start with this first question. We'll open it up, and we'll see what we can come up with. If we end up with ungodly leadership in the United States— and I'm, I'm saying this very specific here, ungodly leadership. So we're not going to I don't want you listening to get wrapped around the axle as to whether this is Biden or whether this is Trump. There is a 100 percent chance that each leader has ungodly characteristics mm-hmm. that you can focus on. So whether you're a Biden guy or a Trump guy or a Biden girl or a Trump girl, you can apply these to the person that you disagree with. And think of that as their ungodly characteristics. So if we end up with ungodly leadership in the, uh, in the United States, which we will, which we will, how do you think Christians should react to it? Because it seems very ungodly for the religious elite to crucify Jesus Christ. And yet he rebuked his disciples, particularly Peter, when they tried to stop it. So, how do we know when wicked actions are part of God's greater design versus wicked actions merely being the whimsy of evil people? Oof.
0: Ooh. You packed a punch, Michael Bond.
1: Take it away then, Julia.
0: That was all I had to say. I'm still thinking.
1: <laughs> had the wind knocked out of me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, me that's me the too. thing. Is like, you think about that, right? I mean, the crucifixion of Christ. What could be more ungodly than mm-hmm. that? And yet... And Peter had the godly compulsion to want to stop it, right? Yeah. But Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan!" <laughs> Get thee
0: behind me, me. Satan! <laughs> and
1: so, I mean, I say like to myself far too often. <laughs> so we, so we see right out of the words of Christ that there can be ungodly things that are happening that are part of God's greater design. And so, how do we know? How do we tell the difference between? something that's wicked and evil, that's just wicked and evil versus something that is like the crucifixion of Christ, where it's where, wherein you know, we would feel like we want to stop it. And like, it's the Christian thing to stop it. But when do we sort of chalk it up and say, okay, we're going to trust God on this, that this is part of his greater design and that he's going, we know he's going to redeem good out of, out of all evil, out Mm -hmm. of anything, anything Mm -hmm. dark that happens. He's going to bring good out of it in the end. But as we're walking through day to day, how do we tell the difference between just the banality of evil, the the, the sort of average everyday evil mm. versus something that's like a bad thing for sure, but it's part of God's plan. Well, it's interesting that you bring that passage up. I'm trying to find it's in Matthew,
2: right? Like it's like yeah. Matthew 20, something or other.
1: It, yeah. It might be Matthew 16.
2: That but. might be it. Yeah. Well, so in that story, um, right before that, uh, Jesus asked the question, So the prophets say this about me, but who do you say that I am, right? And Peter speaks up, which is not unlike Peter to be the first one. I kind of just blurt something out of Mm -hmm. his mouth, Um, which I can relate to in a lot of ways. Um... (laughs) Hopefully this isn't one of those, but uh, (laughs) I realized I just set myself up for it. Anyway, um, he says the right thing, right? To start, like, this whole conversation is the same conversation. Like, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the son of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you because God has given you the answer and has given you the faith to see that this is true, right? And then 45 seconds later, we have this moment where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? And Peter like is embarrassed in front of everyone i don't know if peter ever got embarrassed but he has this moment where it's not good so we get like this finally peter did something right and then 45 seconds later peter does something wrong but i think what is true about the first one is also true about the second one um like peter was given faith sight to see that jesus is the son of god he didn't have it internally naturally to anything of its own it's like he was blessed because god gave him something Mm -hmm. right jesus says that very explicitly And I think part of the answer to the question you just gave, and I could be wrong on this, I'm willing to accept being wrong on that, (laughs) Um, is that I think some of the times when we don't know the answer is because God hasn't given us the sight to see that yet. Mm -hmm, right? right. God hadn't given Peter the sight to see what was happening with the resurrection, with the death and the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Mm and as a person who wants to always be on the inside of what God's up to, mm-hmm. that's frustrating knowing that I'm not always given sight. Um, and humbling to know that like I can't just um, rush into things, which makes patience all the more important to say, like I don't have the answer and I'm not going to act as if I do, so I'm going to wait until God gives me sight on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really answer the question, but I, do, I, I love that passage because... We often think that we get all the answers ourselves by having some sort of knowledge. Or if I read the Bible yeah. enough, um, I will just innately know every mystery of the universe. Right. And it's yeah. like, sometimes God just has to open your eyes. Even with scripture reading, like, you could read one passage one yeah. time and get something different because God opened your eyes to mm-hmm. see something right. different, right. not because you mm-hmm. somehow saw something different.
0: Right.
3: <clears throat> yeah, no, that's good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um I think I think I have uh, I've definitely seen that in my life um, because you know I came I came here to Indiana to go to college at IUP and then you know it felt like the minute I got there my whole world collapsed around me and was I strong in my faith then? No. I was not. I lived a typical college kid life. If you guys read my narrative you have a little bit of an idea of what mm-hmm. my life was like leading up to literally a little over a year ago and as my life seemed to be falling apart all around me all i could think was well why why are you letting this happen god like i my thoughts were i've i've been doing what i'm supposed to i've been good like what what did i do to deserve this looking back on myself that's like i was an idiot like, I was not doing good. I was not doing God's will for my life. Mm. Like, but now looking back on that, like, I wasn't doing God's will for my life. I am now. And, man, I have a different, you know, I have that insight from God. And I see why I was placed, you know, in Indiana to go to college at IUP and then my world fell apart around me. Mm. You know, I had felt like I was called to ministry since freshman year of high school, but I ignored that call because I was like, well, I don't know, like, what if I don't make money, all this stuff. So I went to college to be thousands of dollars in debt. To teach music. To teach music. Mm -hmm. Very lucrative career. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, like that's a profession like <laughs> I could <clears throat> not get a job, and my siblings made fun of me for that and teased me about that, but like they were totally right, and I was brought here to go to college, and that all happened because you know, I, did I ignore the call in my life? Yes, but if I hadn't, then I wouldn't be where I am now at the summit yeah. as a resident, yeah, like I am so grateful for where I'm at right now especially during IUP's retrenchment like I just found out from a buddy of mine um he's in the same like we we were in the same uh major major and the same uh specific instrument that okay. we wanted to focus on our focus instrument which was the horn and he texted me a week ago he's like dude I just found out that Dr. Lucas is the first one getting cut wow so if I was still there like I would have lost my professor i wouldn't i would have been way worse off than i was just a year prior Mm -hmm. so it's just crazy to see how having been through you know what seemed like the worst time of my life you know i have this different perspective that god has given me on that and i'm I'm just grateful for it. That's good stuff. Sorry, I kind of no. It's fine.
1: Well, what was what's real... the original
3: question? I don't even remember.
2: I don't know. I totally
3: remember.
0: How to determine the difference between evil that God's using as an instrument for sovereign, you know, sovereign plans and His will versus just just evil. But I I'm sitting here wondering if there's a difference, like mm-hmm. if it's all.
1: Right. I mean, you might be right, Julia, because I think that there is no evil which is outside of the purview of God's control and God's sight. Mm -hmm. And so to suggest, to make the difference between evil that is part of God's plan versus evil that is just evil, um, you almost kind of have to say for something to be just evil that it has to be something that someone's able to do without God's permission or without God's right will factoring in or without God's omniscience factoring in right or so, that
0: like God can't do anything about it for right. good in right. that particular sense of evil. yeah, yeah. And, and
1: right the
2: the hard yeah. part of that is it's like I mean we could spend hours and never get answers about like okay so I have free will and chose to do evil mm-hmm. <clears throat> how does that play with the, like God's sovereignty and then right. and I'm not here to get into a I don't think any of us are here to get into hmm. a free will you don't want to hear sovereignty argument. Um, especially with a Grover, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I think part of it is, I remember it, so it was about to get real real. Um, my, so when I was at Divinity School, they require you to do placements at churches over the summer or during the academic year where you serve as an interim pastor. Um, and I remember... So I moved to rural North Carolina um, on a Saturday, got there late Saturday, moved in that night. And Sunday morning, at seven o'clock, I showed up at the church for a men's breakfast that they happened to have that Sunday. And I got a call saying that the grandson of one of the parishioners that goes there, who is 20, had just died 10 minutes prior um, from whatever heart-related issues happened. And so I drive over there. Um, to the house and the EMTs are still outside at this point because they're giving the family time and I've never met Any of these people before in my life and I am 22 years old <laughs> Just finished college um, and I walk in there and they're still like um, Like the body is still laying on the floor and this guy had a fiance and a two-year-old and a six-month-old and the only question that I ever got from any of those people is why did God let this happen, mm. right? Mm. Um, and the answer to that is I don't know.
1: Hmm.
2: right? And I think that's the only like, charitable, kind, and reasonable answer that we yeah. can give as Christians because mm-hmm. we don't know. It's the only honest answer. And it's the only honest yeah. answer, right? right? Yeah. If your pastor gives you reasons for why those things happen, He's wrong. All right. <laughs> right,
1: right.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna say that um, because he doesn't know, she doesn't know, it doesn't like, we don't know what those happen, like why those happen. I think part of it is like we live in a broken world and these are the results of what happens when we live yes. in a deeply broken world, right? Um, and in this case, it wasn't necessarily any action that he did that had consequences. He just had a bad heart, right? right. And now they were dealing with the consequences of that. Whereas, like, sometimes it's like, I can look at a lot of evils in the world and say, I know exactly where that evil came from. It came from us humans making terrible decisions that impact the lives of other people. Yeah. It's like, is God in control of that? Yes. But ultimately, sometimes God lets us just walk into the paths of destruction, right? That's exactly what I did. And the punishment for sin sometimes Mm -hmm. is. Letting us sin more and facing the mm-hmm. consequences of
3: that—literally,
1: mm-hmm. like, exactly did what you, happened to me. Yeah, I have a question actually, Tanner, about that because it's interesting to me. Um, did you do you think that you weren't following God's will for your life because you didn't have enough insight into what His will was for your life, or do you think that you were um, that you, you kind of had that that pinned down, but you were choosing to avoid it anyway? Like, do you think that you had to? You think you had to do those? Bad, those things that were bad for you in order to learn more about God's will for your life So that it was more clear to you so that you could follow it Or do you think that you were just being obstinate? Honestly, I think it's both yeah. um,
3: I was at a point in my life I talk about it like it was 12 years ago It was literally two years, one year ago Anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at a point where You know, I was, went to church, but played Christian all week. Mm. I put that mask on, I put that facade on. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was living the college life to the fullest um, because I was being obstinate. Did I know, when I felt that calling, you know, in high school, did I know enough about it and what it would look like to follow that call willingly? No. No. Was I still being obstinate about it? Yes, because when I chose to go for music education, um, I felt like I had convinced myself that that was God's will for my life. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to waste this talent that God's given me. Like, I don't want to just throw it away. And (laughs) it's funny looking back on myself thinking that because... I mean, now I've been, I learned keys and I've been playing for Summit on the weekends. I've been playing for United. I've been playing for Youth for Summit. Like, I was so worried about losing the ability to do anything music related that I focused on only what I was good at and what I thought was for, what I thought was God's will for my life. And, you know, I ignored all of the other uh, gifts that I, that God's given me and, mm-hmm. you know, teachings I had learned just because I was, and one, I was being obstinate and two, I didn't really know enough. I'd say if I went, if I were to go back and just make that decision, um, straight out of high school, go somewhere, some ministry school, whatever it might be, um, I would not be the same person, and I would have a lot more um, faults and, you know, mm-hmm. obstacles to overcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Not. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, you I'm, stink. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. the same thing about myself is what I meant. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah we, I agree. You we,
3: go, we go back. <laughs> we go way back.
0: <laughs>
2: I've been... Uh, working through the gospel of mark which is i love the gospel of mark and i was just talking to another person about this because of all the gospels it's kind of the weird one so like jesus does things that you're like why
3: the heck would jesus
2: do that like all the time um or like it takes him twice to heal the blind man like he puts mud on him a first time and it didn't work mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of so I had to do it again you're like i don't understand this like a lot of weird things happen and there's right. like three times as many like demon cast outs
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the, i think part of it is to say like to draw attention to the fact that the world is dark right and like it plays on this analogy all the time that like christ has come as light into the world and part of the and the, i'm saying this because this has been my story too and it, it seems to resonate with what you were saying It's like, one, you didn't know enough, but two, you were obstinate, right? And those Mm -hmm. always play hand in hand because your obstinance, your um, willing participation in things that are not good for you, sin, um, put blinders on you so that you're walking around in the dark. Right, right. Right. And you can't know any better. Like we, you know, this really old dead guy named Origen, um, who's a theologian from like, I don't know, 1,500 years ago said like, even if you think you're saying the right things on God's behalf, if you're living in sin, you have blinders on and you're not seeing clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you probably shouldn't try to give people direction to go the right way. Right. And it's like, I know in my life, it's like when I purposely was obstinate, even if I thought I could see, I wasn't seeing anything. Right. right? And this goes back to the, like, part of it, you have to be given sight by God Mm -hmm. because the only one that actually has the light to begin with is Christ. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like, We naturally walk around in the dark. And the world is dark, if you haven't noticed. It's Mm -hmm. not a great place. And, like, Mark really plays on that a lot. Like I said, there's, like, more demons being cast out. People are more crazy in Mark. There's, like, weird things that Jesus does. It's more cryptic and it's more dark. And I think it really portrays what's happening in our world right now where it's, like, people think they can see. But really, we're all just walking around with big old blinders on. um, Saying that we're following God's will when it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. and the more you live into that the harder it is to see and so right. yeah and that was my experience through college as well it's like i thought i knew luckily god kind of kept me on a course even if i didn't even if i wasn't choosing to go on that course um like i was wandering around the dark but i happened to be wandering in the right, right direction it's that prevenient grace again <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah it is it's yeah. like you know god is ke- looking
3: out for you even when yeah. you're just fumbling around in the dark yeah mm-hmm. and like for me I I had gotten to a point where I was just living in my sin and I was like, Yeah, this is God's will for my life to be here and like it doesn't matter that I'm drinking and smoking and sleeping around, like there's so much grace for me, like it, it won't right. matter, he'll forgive me. And <laughs> me right now is like I don't wanna say disgusted, but disgusted with myself. Yeah. Like, how could I even live that way? Yeah. Like, there's so much more. There's so much more to life than just living in sin. And it sounds cheesy and stupid, but. Literally, I have had more fulfillment in my life, more joy, more peace, all because I made. It seemed like a big decision to me to drop out of college and, you know, do what was. God's will for my life, but because I made that decision, I've had so much fulfillment and peace and joy. And I don't know, it's just just crazy. Yeah. Like I, I've changed a lot and God has given me now the, the vision to see where I was, where I came from and where I'm at. Yeah, And that I can keep growing.
1: Yeah, so I like where we are on evil. I like Julia. Your input on that and this idea that evil, no matter where it is or what it is, there there is no evil that sort of goes wasted. That is not that's not doesn't have the possibility of being redeemed or the possibility of good coming out of it mm-hmm. at some point. So that and it's really hard to think about in certain situations, you know, because oh, there are some really sure. really bad things done yeah. by really bad people, and you can't mm-hmm. see and and then like. Uh, Caleb, like you were talking about, there's certain situations that you encounter where you have to say, I don't know, but I have faith that God will use this somehow, or that there's a better future for you, even though you can't see it and I can't see it. The honesty is that we don't know, but we have faith that. Well, and, 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 and
2: frankly, like that, that hope isn't in anything earthly. Like you might not receive, you might never see the. that was a double negative. You... There's a possibility that you won't ever see the good mm-hmm. out of bad situations mm-hmm. in this life. Right. Right. The good might be when you get to heaven and every tear has been wiped away and God comes before yeah. you and he mm-hmm. says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Like that's the that that was the hope of the whole, the whole New Testament when people were like facing Nero mm-hmm. and being lit on fire, yeah. they said, "I don't have any hope in this world." But I do have a hope in the next world that regardless of what happens now, like there is something better. That is in store for me and that mm-hmm. god will somehow miraculously mm-hmm. fix all things and right and the hope is not always in this
1: world right right and that's hard sometimes for us because yeah. it's like we want justice on this side of yeah Earth. oh yeah and it is so important to remind people of that that this isn't the be-all end-all and that if they don't see redemption in right. this life that they still will see it yeah. in eternity yeah. and that is you know if we get caught up in looking for it right now then we can end up feeling crushed and, and feeling yeah. like, you know, God is just depriving us of it yeah. when really it's waiting for us on the other side. And the, and the danger of that is leading into, like, escapism, right, where it's like, nah,
2: nothing good can happen in this world, so let's just let it burn, so to speak. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we're also called, like, the kingdom of heaven is also here now. So yeah, it's yeah. like, we are re- our responsibility as Christians is to make this place better. Yeah, yeah and that's it. Right? So it's like, you can't just always, and there are people like this where it's like, Let it all burn. I'll be fine when I get to heaven. It's like that's not the Christian calling. It's like when everything's like, when everything is against you at the moment. And you're doesn't look like you have a lot of hope left in life. There is hope on the other side, mm-hmm. but you should still be seeking it in the meantime. To undo the evil that does exist, even if it's under God's control. Right. Recall to
1: that. Right, right. So that's that's the cool thing. So this is the issue. This is the tricky dance that we always try to navigate. And this is the thing that I was thinking of when you are talking about Peter not having the full revelation and therefore wanting to stop the crucifixion of yeah. Christ. So was Peter wrong to do that? Because it seems to me that, like, well, look, I mean ultimately he was wrong. Ultimately, that the, the crucifixion and the resurrection needed to happen, and so for Peter to want to stop that was not the right thing. But in the moment, if you don't have all of the information, mm-hmm. do we try to stop and undo the evil anyway and accept humbly accept the rebuke when we find out that, okay, we, we, didn't, we didn't have what we needed to have to understand the situation, yeah. and so therefore we're just going to accept grace and move on. Like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with the escapism, like you, what you were talking about, where it yeah. seems like it's so easy for people to just be like, well, you know, I'm a limited person. I, God's all powerful and I'm not. So I'm just going to float Sin through life and so that grace may abound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Right. So, um, so do we, do we default to trying to stop and undo evil where we see it? and then just have the humility to accept it when those actions, those preventative actions or those corrective actions that we undertake turn out to not be the right thing. Is that, is that the right way of approaching it? Do you guys think?
2: I think yes.
0: I think yes. Also.
2: And it's like weird as a pastor to say, Nah, maybe this isn't weird. I don't know. Um, Like, we're not perfect, and therefore we don't have perfect vision, and therefore we make decisions to the best of our ability with the guidance of the Holy Spirit.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And sometimes we read that wrong, and sometimes we sin. And, I mean, so the, you know, father-child analogy is used, obviously, all throughout Scripture, and it's like... You want your children to make decisions on their own. Any good Mm -hmm. parent wants their children to be able to make, and sometimes they don't make the right decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there was still something gained from making that decision and learning that it was the wrong decision, right? And luckily, we serve an all-gracious God who every single time that we make the wrong decision... There's forgiveness now. Like I said, should we sin so that grace may abound? No, that you know, Paul would say that's a horrible, detestable theology to live under. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's like you know, when you, the point of Christianity is not to put you into a state of fear where you're worrying every single day. Did I make the right decision? Did I make the wrong decision? The point is. Christianity is for you to rely on God to say, I'm going to step in faith that this is the right way. And if it's not, believe that you're going to correct me and me be okay with that. Yeah. And change mm-hmm. course. Right. Right. Like that's, that's the, and we said this last time, it's like, that's the, it's just gaining relationship right. with the person. Yeah. Hey, you're going to screw up. Um, and it's not okay to screw up, but it is okay to move on from that. Right. Right. right? I was um, one of my favorite professors from school, I wrote a book that I'm listening and reading right now. Um, And she had said something along the lines, if you want to know God, um, turn the pages more slowly, right? Mm. In the book, the Mm -hmm, Bible, mm -hmm. right? Because we spend so much time, we read through the book. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to know God, like be patient, sit with him for a while, right? We don't sit with God for a while. And because of that, we Mm -hmm. don't have sight, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like,
2: being patient in god to say i'm not ready to move yet i don't think you're ready for me to move yet i'm not going to and i'm going to wait is like a should be a normal impulse for us as christians that i don't think we also we often live especially in the united states because it's like no way. and church can be like that too right yeah? like where it's like church will push you and push you and push you and push you and push you to m- like make decisions do something be productive and it's like, even in church, which is the one organization that should be getting it right, we get it wrong all the time,
1: right? mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going
2: with that, but well, I'll stop <laughs> it <with> there. <that. laughs> um,
1: so what I want to do is I want us to finish by unpacking a particular passage in First Peter chapter 2. This will be verses 13 through 25. I am going to read this in its entirety because I think this passage gives us some much-needed insight into how we should conduct ourselves under wicked leaders. So if you're following along, this will be... 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 25 Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good for this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people living as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover up for evil but living as servants of God honor everyone love the brotherhood fear God honor the emperor Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, So here again, we see this idea of obeying every human institution. But then there's also the descriptor of these authorities uh, punishing those who do evil and praising those who do good. So it seems to me that in this passage, we might be talking about human authorities who at least share a moral framework common with that of a Christian. Mm -hmm. And we can see that when we suffer under unjust human authority, we are expected to accept this suffering in the same way Christ did. Mm -hmm. We should not return evil for evil. I think the instruction in 1st Peter wraps up nicely what the apostles' attitudes uh, were in Acts 5 when they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. So, and this is going to involve a lot of like what we talked about in the the previous parts of this episode as well as the previous episode. But I want to just tightly pack this up for people. At the time we're recording this, we don't know who is going to win the election, who won the election. By the time this is released, we might know, but it'll apply in either direction. And so I'd like us to sort of give a nice summary, a nice little practical synopsis of what is the right mode of being Uh, If the election for a Christian, if the election does ends up not going your way, what is the proper response? Do we become Christian activists or do we humbly and solemnly mind our own business as we continue to worship and honor Jesus Christ, both corporately and in our personal lives? So how do we respond? Imagine the election goes not the way that we want it to, whether you're listening and you're you want Biden or you want Trump. Imagine it goes not the way you want it to. It goes in the wrong way in your eyes. How how do you as a Christian respond? What sort of mode of being do you take up in the next four years as you walk through life and try to be the best follower of Christ that you can be?
3: Mm. Man, mm. I said it last episode, I'll say it again. I mean, no matter who wins, um, you know, if the opposite person that I want wins, I'm going to pray for them just as much as I would pray for the person that I want to win because no matter what we should be praying for whoever is in that position as president of the United States Mm -hmm. like that person has a lot of stress on them they have to make a lot of decisions that can be difficult for a lot of people and I really think that we just need to be praying for them all the time Uh, again
1: it sounds so simple and so easy but prayer is so important Right. But the heart behind it is really good because whoever, whoever wins office, they're piloting the aircraft that all of us are stuck on. And so wishing that person to fail seems Mm -hmm. to me to be, even if you're not a Christian, that's a stupid idea. And so like, I like the idea of uh, wanting to work and pray so that this person becomes the best christian leader they can be even if right now they're not a christian yeah. that we yeah. shouldn't give up hope on them that we should we should work and we should try and we should influence and we should pray and we should seek that they become the best possible leader that they can be mm. in that office and yeah. Man, that's wild to think about because you you spend, I mean, they've been talking about this election for like 600 days or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you spend all of that time when you still have hope that your guy is going to make it, you Mm -hmm. spend all of that time in opposition to the other one. And then Uh when you lose and then you see, uh oh, you know, my enemy now has power that's just then you have to totally shift that perspective around because that mm-hmm. that person is not your enemy and maybe it would be would have been better not to look at them as your enemy to begin with well, like, yeah but <laughs> yeah. 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 well, we're so bad a at that. lot of right. us
0: do though mm-hmm. i wish that's mm-hmm. where my mind went first i was thinking of jesus in the garden of gethsemane whenever he's asking for this cup to be passed from him all the suffering the crucifixion and he has that very human moment of anguish And like understanding his father's will, but not wanting it to pass. Um, And then in the end, after three times, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And essentially walks towards the crucifixion. And that's a really extreme example. But um, relating that to the election, like, God, let it be my way. Like, please let this be. Uh, the case, I you can be glorified through my candidate. You can be glorified through the person that I want to win. My my person is the right person to win. This this person is going to serve you way better than than the other candidate. And we get stuck in that. And if your opposing candidate wins, um, I'm tangibly thinking to myself like, okay, not my will be done. I know that this election isn't outside of your hands and i will walk forward not into my crucifixion but i'll walk forward into whatever new laws are placed whatever new Mm -hmm. people i'm going to run into whatever riots are going to happen and just try to be guided by the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and all of that Mm -hmm. with all Mm -hmm. of the fruits of the spirit that we talked about earlier
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah i mean i i uh I love this idea. <laughs> like, we're, we're, Michael we're, was yeah. looking at me like I had a response, but I didn't. It's so, so. <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy because um, we we're had to all stare down. Yeah, we're, we're all laughing because that's like the first time in probably four or five podcast episodes that Caleb hasn't had any like, wow. cool. speechless. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, but we really did drill down. I think on the right way of thinking about this, which is that. Look, you might lose. I mean, if th- there's actually a 100% chance that you're going to lose one way or the other. Like it's it's 50/50. Like you either wanted one guy and you're going to lose if the other guy gets it, or you wanted the other guy. So like, there's going to be a, what I'm trying to say is there's going to be a lot of Christians who are have lost. Yeah. And by the time this is released, they might have already lost. I, I actually kind of hope they would have already lost because otherwise it would be like two weeks that we've been deliberating who won the presidency, and that seems pretty Not stressful great. yeah <laughs> um so just to distill all of this down to like a thesis statement <laughs> um this is what you can take away from this and this is what you can go forward with if you find yourself living under a leader who you didn't want who you don't like who you thought was your enemy shift your perspective and do the best you can to influence them and help guide them and help work towards bringing out the best qualities that they have. Because Mm -hmm. even the, even the person who you dislike has some godly qualities. So focus on those, help those things flourish and pray for them and continuously pray for them. Pray for their success because their success, their godly success is also your success. Mm -hmm. And so have that positive mindset and maybe above everything else, just have faith that God is still in control and that you don't need to lose your sanity over this and that He's going to work all things out for good in the end. Does anybody have any final thoughts? No, I think you wrap that up better than I It just could've. might not be till the very end that the good comes about. Yeah, so. that, that's yeah. a really important thought. Be patient. And, right. For sure, for sure. So that's. Spirit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Anything left? Yep, fruit of the spirit. <laughs> you I don't know you what said. that has to do yeah. with you this. You said be patient. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Fruit spirit, dots, have works. fruits. Yeah. Fruit of the spirit. <laughs> the eat your fruit drop. and vegetables. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop um, talking. Yeah. No, it's great. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: It all makes sense if you wanted to, I
1: suppose. Yeah, right, right. So <laughs> um, that brings us to the end of... Part two of these episodes, these last two episodes. So I'm really happy that you guys joined us. I just want to remind you again to come out for United. It is 7.27 p.m. Tuesday nights at the Indiana Theater in Indiana, PA. For it. <laughs> There's the woo woo. So um, it's a really good time. Uh, you'll, I promise you'll enjoy it. Get out there. We hope to see you. Do we have anything else that we need to plug? I think this is uh, the no. end of
0: We Need a King, right? Yeah. The yeah. End of that series. We're going into... What I thought was going to be called Kingdom Culture, but I think it's going to be called Counterculture now. That's Something cool. like that. I really yeah. Like that. It'll be that um. I helped
2: plan it. <laughs> it'll be a series
0: based on, uh, I believe it'll be a series based on things that people assume are biblical truth, but aren't aren't actually. And going through the, uh, the sticky situation that that is, mm. just like phrases and idioms that we around that that's aren't really actually cool. biblical so mm-hmm. i am pretty sure that's what that's about yeah no i think you're right that's, okay that's okay, really so. cool Great.
1: counterculture be looking out for it it's going to be really good and i think you're going to enjoy it thank you all for joining us for the uloft podcast for this episode and we will see you in the next episode
0: thanks for listening to the uloft podcast presented by united iup If you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at unitediup. United meets every Tuesday at 727 p.m. in the Indiana Theater, located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live United.